From Schwartz Media, I'm Beth Atkinson Quinton. This is 7am. In Australia, DNA testing has been routinely used for decades in deciding who can and can't enter the country. The tests can be used to unify families, but they can also tear them apart. The story of one couple trying to make a new home in Australia has raised new questions about how exactly the tests work and if they discriminate against people from certain racial backgrounds. Today, writer Oscar Schwartz on the faulty science that is keeping families separated. Oscar, where does this story start? So the story starts in 2011. Daniel Tedesi was introduced to Gannett Abebe by a mutual friend and they started speaking uh, on the phone and started up a long-distance relationship. And then after around a year of this long-distance relationship, um, Daniel was in Melbourne and Gannett was living in Cairo in Egypt, but they were both originally from Ethiopia. They decided to meet up in Addis Ababa, where Gannett's family lived. There they spent basically every day together for three months and they fell deeply in love and they decided to get married. In February 2012, they had a huge wedding, around 300 people, a big feast. Both of the families came, they met each other for the first time. After the wedding, they were going to move to Australia together and start a new life. Okay, so what happened next in their relationship? So Daniel was actually an Australian citizen already at that stage, but Gannett, of course, wasn't. So when he left to go back to Melbourne, Gannett travelled to the Australian High Commission in Nairobi in Kenya to submit an application for a partner visa so that she could eventually join him. But things didn't go as planned. The officer that Gannett met had apparently advised the Australian Immigration Department that there was a physical resemblance between her and Daniel. Both received letters requesting that they undertake a DNA test to support their visa claim. Daniel felt that they had nothing to hide, and so they both submitted their DNA samples to a lab in Melbourne. Okay, so at this point, Daniel and Gannett have gotten married, but in order for Gannett to receive that partner visa... Uh, the Australian Immigration Department is asking her to take a DNA test. So what did those results show? Yeah, so Daniel received a surprising letter from the lab stating that there was, quote, moderately strong evidence to support that he and Gannett were actually half-siblings. The test results were also sent to the immigration authorities who then turned down the visa application on the basis that the marriage was incestuous, meaning that it was void under Australian law. Daniel and Gannett were incredibly shocked. I mean, there was no chance that they were related and it made absolutely no sense. Their families were from totally different parts of Ethiopia. They live totally different places. He was born quite different uh, area than his wife. Haleluel Gebrselesi is a friend of Daniel's and a prominent member of the Ethiopian Melbourne community, and he's been working with Daniel as a translator and as an advocate throughout this whole process. When I spoke to him, he's really fed up 
I think this is not an easy thing. This is really taking the toll at the moment. I talked to him and uh, and I said to him, "Okay, all right, I can I can speak and and voice your concern." So Daniel and Gannett both consulted their families and they confirmed there was absolutely no historical connection between them. This was also confirmed by the priest who presided over their wedding. So the priest belonged to the Hebrew Orthodox Church and, you know, you are not allowed to marry uh, up to their seventh generation. This is what they call it. It is strictly prohibited. Daniel ended up hiring an immigration lawyer and lodged an application to what was then called the Migration Review Tribunal. But every time Daniel's case was heard at the tribunal, it was knocked back on the basis of that original DNA test. And because of that, the visa application for a spouse kept being rejected. So his legal uh, process is very uh, exhaustive. He's tired and sick of it. Um, I think thousands of dollars he paid for legal representation. But I think more than the money, I think the psychological devastation and the mental health issue cannot be really repaid. I think this is this is a permanent damage which this process is creating. Wow, it's an incredibly complex bureaucratic system that they have had to go through. So what did Daniel do next? At that point... Daniel didn't really know where to turn, so he approached his priest, who then in turn put him in contact with Halleluel, who then emailed a journalist at The Age. So I, I was convinced that I need to do something about it. And um, I stepped in and had a conversation with one of the The Age journalists. He was genuinely trying to help this matter to grow the public attention and wants to publish it. And I spoke to Daniel. Uh, Daniel agreed on that and the case was published. And it was syndicated to a New Zealand news website, which is where a geneticist by the name of Andrew Veal first learned about Daniel's predicament. There was an article on stuff.co.nz, which is a news site in New Zealand, and uh, there was one of those sort of clickbaity headlines saying, uh, man finds out he married his sister. Andrew is a scientist and has been involved in research calculating genetic relatedness for many years. And I am always interested in anything to do with genetics and relatedness and very quickly saw lots of red flags and I just thought, quite probably, that they had done the analyses wrong. And he was extremely sceptical about the results, and he felt compelled to try and help Daniel and Gannett. I contacted Daniel, said, would it be all right if we did some more genetic tests? And then I paid for some tests through 23andMe, which is one of these online uh, genetic tests for people to find their ancestry. He ended up getting Daniel and Gannett to do a 23andMe test, which uses updated DNA technology. And in 2019, when the results came back, they were unequivocal. As soon as I saw it, it, it was completely conclusive and obvious. Daniel and Gannett are completely unrelated. The chances are that you and I are probably more closely related than they are to each other. Daniel and Gannett, in fact, shared such little DNA that Veal couldn't even track a shared common ancestor back four generations, let alone a shared parent. 
so Oscar, Daniel and Gannett did the initial DNA test that said they were half-siblings. Gannett's visa was then denied on that basis. But then a second test said they weren't related. So how is there this discrepancy? So obviously DNA testing is a science, but even in precise science there can be mistakes. Lots of these tests are really dependent on your racial or your ethnic background. And in DNA testing, there are mistakes that can be made, particularly when testing people of African ancestry. And this is precisely what happened to Daniel and Gannett. We'll be right back. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Oscar, we're talking about the Australian Immigration Department's use of DNA testing for the granting of visas. I don't think a lot of people would know that the government uses this kind of technology for immigration purposes. Can you walk me through that history When did the government start using DNA testing in immigration disputes? So the particular type of technology that's used is called STR testing, and it was discovered in the mid-1980s. And in fact, the very first use of STR testing was in an immigration case. On September 17, 1984, Alec Jeffries made a discovery that would turn DNA into a household word. Within a year, DNA fingerprinting had settled the first of thousands of immigration disputes, proving this family was entitled to access to Britain. The following year, DNA evidence was first used to resolve a paternity suit. Uh, It was used by someone seeking immigration to the UK to prove that they were in fact related to their mother. So we now had DNA fingerprint of the missing father, DNA fingerprint of the mother, and then the DNA fingerprint of the boy in dispute, and every single genetic character in that boy matched either mum or the character in the missing father. From there, it helped many, many thousands of people who were making immigration claims to prove the relationships. And so it was really good in this sense and seen as like a very powerful tool for family reunification. That opened a floodgate on heaven knows how many immigration disputes. We had no idea there were so many families trapped in these disputes. But since then, there has been updates in the technology. The type of technology that 23andMe uses is, in fact, a much more powerful technology for proving family relatedness and doesn't fall into the same types of potential inaccuracies that existed in that original STR testing. 
Okay, so this older STR testing originally seemed to work really well and actually helped unify families in immigration disputes. But now what we're seeing is issues with the older technology. Can you tell me about what some of those issues are and and why it's a problem that the technology hasn't been updated? So STR testing, that original test that was used, depends on what's known as a reference population database. So when two people are being tested to see if they're related, they're then compared against a reference population. That means that if that reference population is not accurate, it can create false positives, particularly if the two people are from a similar ethnic background. Because what can happen is that ethnic background is misunderstood to mean family relatedness. And one of the things that immediately sprung up in the report uh, on the original relatedness test was that they said that the reference population was African. For people of African ancestry, it's really important that this reference database be as accurate as possible because people from West Africa are genetically less related to people from East Africa as someone from, say, Japan is to someone from Germany. So you could not actually accurately calculate relatedness of two Ethiopians using African as a data set. If you get the reference population even slightly wrong, you will get the wrong answer and it will overestimate the relatedness of two individuals. Now that we have the different and updated types of tests, like the ones used by 23andMe, this isn't a problem because, in fact, they don't have to use these reference population databases. You have to question whether this is an oversight due to negligence or whether it somehow reflects a racialized immigration policy that obviously has a long history in this country. I think that it's criminally negligent that they rely on these tests. They give the wrong answers and they give specifically wrong answers for cases of people from other countries Right. So what we're seeing here is this older technology essentially discriminates against people from African backgrounds, which seems to be what Daniel and Gannett have confronted through their visa application process. But now that they've gone and done this new test, the 23andMe test, what's happened? Has it had any impact on their case? So somewhat unbelievably, it has had no impact because the only evidence that is allowed to be taken into consideration by the tribunal or by the courts is from an accredited laboratory, and the accredited laboratory all use the outdated form of the test. So the 23andMe, which beyond all reasonable doubt proves that they're not related, has not been seen by anyone in authority and will not be seen by anyone in authority. I'm extremely angry and upset. Uh, He is unrelated to his wife, and the failings of a company and a government have done this to him. So this process started nearly a decade ago. They've gone through all of these ups and downs. I mean, I can't even imagine. It's such a heartbreaking process. How is Daniel doing? Have you have you heard from him? Yeah, I've met Daniel a couple of times and you can tell that he's utterly devastated and somewhat hopeless. His wife is still living in Addis Ababa. They've been separated essentially since they were married. 
obviously um, the corona issue is another layer of challenge and um, you have to have a compelling reason to travel so that's also very strict and it's basically kind of an unfathomably horrible situation for him he's had 10 years of his life taken away um, he loves the people he loves the country but he doesn't really understand why his migration case is stuck and also he has to go through all these traumatic experiences it's just incredibly devastating do you know other people that are in a similar position to daniel so that's what's frustrating about this whole scenario the dna testing is done by private labs who are under no obligation to reveal their data so we actually can't know how many people are affected like daniel so the question is how many people are in daniel's situation and will they ever get out of it he's really devastated and also you know feeling at the moment helpless and seeking really support and help from anyone who can be able to help him at the moment Oscar thank you so much for your time thank you Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tonietti, and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today, there are concerns that a mass protest held over the weekend in Sydney against lockdowns could be a super spreader event. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian said she was disgusted, disappointed and heartbroken that people didn't consider the safety and well-being of their fellow citizens. The state recorded 141 cases of COVID-19 yesterday. And the federal government has signed a deal with Pfizer to acquire tens of millions of vaccine booster shots. However, the bulk of the new doses won't arrive until 2023. I'm Beth Atkinson Quinton. It's been a blast hosting the show over the past few weeks. Ruby Jones will be back with you from tomorrow. I'll see you next time. <laughs>